Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. What is up, a Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast listeners and viewers? Currently, we are live on YouTube as well as on uh, Twitter and Periscope. Man, what a three-day period it has been. I don't even know where to start, but I'm going to start first by saying Ugh. to John, our Scottish uh, heritage bearded wildling. John, what that is, is up, I. man? Happy St. Patrick's Day. How are you doing on this fine evening? I am doing wonderful. Happy St. Patrick's Day. So... Um my last name is currently Helmkamp, um, but I was adopted. By birth, my last name is McFadden. McFadden. I was able to, McFadden. I was able to trace my lineage all the way back uh, to the late 1600s in Scotland. Um, they had a brief layover in Ireland before immigrating to the United States. It's a really, really cool story. Like, there's a excerpt of my like great grandfather to the eighth. I think it is. Um, of his journal basically talking about what it's like coming into the Carolinas and all that. It's it's this really, really cool story, fun to be a part of it and to kind of know that background. So um, it's always been a cool day for me, and, and I, I just – it's cool to think about the sacrifices that that family made generations ago to, to get us where we are today. Yeah. Important it's, question. It's awesome. Go ahead, Okada. Are you or are you not related to Darren McFadden? Uh, not to my knowledge. <laughs> I don't believe so, but I'm sure if you went back far enough, probably. I mean, the appearance, the, the similarities are uncanny. It is I mean, striking. It is yeah. <laughs> remarkably similar. Yeah, Mainly those, the those <laughs> hammies, man. We got those yep. in common. Oh, well, cheers, fellas. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Um, as well, happy birthday, Matt Okada. Oh. What is up, man? How has your birthday been? Well, I woke up at four o'clock in the morning because Lovely. that is when my work shift uh, started. But then I worked from home for the past nine hours. There you go. Uh, because you know coronavirus. So mm-hmm. I've been sitting in this chair for going on eight hours now, <laughs> uh, and that's just about it. <laughs> that's my birthday. But now I'm doing a podcast with the Red Shirts listeners, so that's a win. Yes. Uh, well, sure. happy birthday, Okada. It's been a fun two years. You and I and Kent kind of started this thing from the ground up. Now we got John on board, and I don't know about you guys, but I'm super excited for the future of Red Shirts. I'm super excited for the year 2020 of this podcast, for the website. Uh, Listeners, thank you so much for checking us out, for watching, for downloading, subscribing, all that good stuff. We have a really fun evening planned for you guys amidst the craziness of the world right now in the state of where we're at. I mean, it's just hard to even talk about. So we're going to skip that stuff. We're going to talk about some fun NFL news, tons of free agency content to talk about. I mean, this show literally so could much. take three hours if we wanted it to. Um, eh, and it's Okada's birthday, so we might, do. we might do it, honestly. <laughs> um, but man, where do you guys want to start? Because this day has been unreal. Now, if you missed any of our previous shows, please go back and check it out. We've already covered Ryan Tannehill a ton on the show, which dropped Monday in your podcast app. John and myself sat down yesterday at about 9 o'clock in the evening to talk about all the news from day one. So if you missed any of that, check it out on patreon.com slash Richard's pod. 
But for this episode, for Okada's birthday, for the jersey that he's wearing on the live stream, Ooh. we have to talk about Tom Brady. I think it's a, an appropriate place to kick off. Okada, I'm not even going to intro it. Just go ahead. Listen, as you can see, I am wearing the jersey, the, the greatest jersey of all time. It will be retired in Gillette Stadium. It uh, may it, it may go down as one of the most memorable jerseys in sports history, along with MJ's 23 Bulls jersey, obviously. Uh, I don't really Ooh, think there is another one. Um, and it was an incredible 20 years. It was almost the entirety of my uh, football fandom. It was... Uh, inarguably the greatest run in by a single player and by a single franchise in any sport ever over a 20-year period six championships nine appearances in the super bowl i don't even know how many afc championship games but it was like 17 in a row it felt like um and it's you know it's i want to say it's bittersweet because i feel good about the end i feel like it was a it was a nice parting from what I've heard about, you know, Robert Kraft and the, the conversation that they had. And hopefully he goes to a team because there's kind of down to two teams that both look this way with really good offensive weapons that gives him a great, you know, final eclipse to his career. So I'm happy for him. I'm, I'm excited for Tom. Um, I'm obviously sad for the Patriots and for myself. I haven't cried yet. I imagine it will happen at some point. When I'm lying in bed tonight and it hits me and I'll just cry myself to sleep. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you, Tom, for your uh, incredible contributions to the Patriots franchise, sports, the NFL, and my life. And may you have a wonderful time in whatever state you go to next. Ooh, spoiler. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. We, we are all roughly the same age um there are a lot of people that are currently in our similar shoes that are currently kind of coming into the industry a lot of people we connect with on twitter a lot of people like that that really don't know the nfl without a tom brady patriots team yeah i mean that's back to you know, I can remember a little bit of football, you know, before that. I definitely remember games when I was younger. I remember Brett Favre slinging it against Denver, stuff like that. But in terms of a year-in, year-out, like, exposure to the sport and understanding of the sport, things like that, it's it's hard to remember this league without a Tom Brady-led Patriots team. So this is a, a changing of the guard. And, and for those that want to rip on Tom Brady and hate the evil empire. I've certainly done my fair share of it. You you have to at least respect it. You know what I mean? And that's the, the place where I come from. It's going to be an entirely new era with uh, Tom Brady leaving New England. And I'm very curious to see how they're going to react to this and, and what their frame of mind is. Is it retool or is it fold down, strip it down, rebuild? It's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's something that I don't think anyone is really knows what to expect or knows what to to see coming in the next year or two for the Patriots. I mean, obviously Tom Brady leaving is massive and you can't even put words to it because honestly, in our lifetime, in our generation, I don't know that we'll see another franchise dynasty that has been that 
dominant. And yeah. I hate the Patriots with passion because I live in New England. So I can definitely say that I hear it from my friends all the time, coworkers, et cetera. But you just have to appreciate it. It's honestly yeah. incredible. Uh, so it kind of is a sad day for the NFL. But, I mean, the Patriots in general, man, Okada, feel free to chime in what your thoughts are here. Losing Kyle Van Noy, losing Jamie Collins, losing Tom Brady. I mean, what are we to expect from New England in 2020? I mean, like you said, it's really tough to honestly put any kind of predictions on it because it's going to be so different than it has been, most likely. Um, but there's a couple things I'll say. One, as crazy as it is to think about a Patriots without Bill Belt or without Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time and the face of this franchise for 20 years, there is still the Bill Belichick piece there. And honestly... For the last couple years or so, especially last year, pretty much everyone was talking about Brady is not what he once was. Belichick is holding this team together. And, you know, he's kind of an average quarterback. If they head into 2020 and get another average quarterback, if they sign, I don't know, there's the, the, Dalton. the, the market, the market is dwindling. But yes, a Dalton type of guy um, or trade up in the drafts a little bit and get a rookie quarterback that can start right away. I don't know who it could be or how far they would go up. Whatever it ends up being, it's still going to be Bill Belichick at the helm. And that's going to mean a lot. From, from the defensive side of things, I'm not concerned. I'm never concerned about anyone leaving the Patriots. He Belichick, if, honestly, whatever he's done with Brady, and I don't think it's as much as people. some people try to make it be, where it's like, oh, Belichick made Brady. Belichick does make that defense. No player on that defense makes that defense or ever has, really. Certainly not since, like, the early 2000 zeros when it was really the Patriot. Yeah, when it was the, the Brewski-McGinnis era when, he when you know, those guys were actually carrying the team a little bit more. Nowadays, yes, Stephon Gilmore's Defensive Player of the Year, but if we traded Stephon Gilmore away for a couple first-round picks... I would not be surprised to see the Patriots' defense still be dominant in 2020, and that's kind of what I expect. I expect them to be good. They've been a top 10, you know, scoring and total defense almost every year for the all of time, and I don't think that changes too much without Brady. So I do not know which what direction they're going to go at quarterback. They may sign an Andy Dalton. I kind of want them to tr to draft Jalen Hurts, but I don't yeah. know how immediate of a solution that is. So they may need to stop gap guy anyways. Obviously, I would love it if they mortgaged everything to go up and get like a Tua, but that's gonna be that would be insane. That'd be maybe expensive. they could get Herbert for a more reasonable price. There's a lot of ways it could go, but I do expect them to be competitive in the division. Although the Bills sure are trying to make Woo! it tough, yeah, they so are. good for them. We'll see if they can finally topple us, but yeah, well, it's going to be an interesting year. Yeah, it's it's crazy how much is going to change in New England. I mean, you mentioned a couple of rookies that could come in there, potentially Andy Dalton. Um, we were talking in our group chat a few uh, a few days ago, or, or probably a week ago at this point, and I was giving Okada a hard time basically saying, like, you know, Andy Dalton and Tom Brady aren't that different nowadays. And I, I was half joking, but I honestly still feel the arm talent and that sort of way is relatively similar. I mean, obviously, Tom Brady's decision-making and all that kind of thing and leadership you know, it's not even comparable, but the arm talent and where he is at as an NFL quarterback from a passing the football perspective is not that different. And if you're telling me that they can get decent play out of a guy like that, I think things are still going to be okay for someone like a Julian Edelman, someone like um, uh, a James Harry. White, 
maybe. Nikhil Harry, potentially, if he can step up. So I mostly will see, if they bring in a veteran, I'll mostly see it as a somewhat lateral move. But if it's a rookie, I mean, if it's Jared Stidham, I mean, we don't even know what kind Oof. of quarterback he can be. Drafted, what was it, last year? Uh, yeah, later in, in the draft. I want to say fourth you or know, fifth. Fourth or fifth sounds right. Yeah. So lots to digest probably over the next 24 to 48 hours with that franchise. But let's talk about Brady now with his new home, which as of this point, we don't have official confirmation, but everything is pointing to him signing with Tampa Bay. Guys, we talked about it. John and I did a couple of days ago. Mike Evans. Ooh. Mike Ooh, Evans. Hold on. Uh, oh, do we have breaking news? Uh, not breaking, breaking, but Jim Trotter just posted this about 15 minutes ago. The Chargers made a serious run at Brady, but barring a change of heart, the team believes it is out of the running for him. Mm. Okay. So, so this is coming down to a, a Tampa Bay situation. Yeah. It's looking like. So either Tampa Bay or L.A., it looks like, are the two possible suitors. Um, let's let's talk about both scenarios. First with Tampa Bay. Mike Evans, man, so consistent, so underrated in Dynasty. I mean, with Tom Brady there, I will aggressively drop my Dynasty ranks for the short term. And maybe not Dynasty, maybe more redraft. But the deep ball that Tom Brady is throwing nowadays is not good. I mean, we can just be honest. It's not what Jameis Winston was doing there chucking it up and giving Mike Evans the chance to win on deep balls. But Chris Godwin, I mean, a slot wide receiver who excelled last year, an up-and-coming talent in this league, do you guys see it as a major drop-off compared to Jameis, who was there, obviously, last year? I see it as a drop-off for both guys. And uh, it's just kind of setting the the skill, the, you know, the eye test for Brady and Winston aside... Brady is not going to go out there and throw for 5,000 yards. And no. maybe 33 touchdowns, but probably not that either. But there's no way he's going to go out there and throw for 5,000 yards, which means one or both of these guys, probably both, are going to suffer from their yardage numbers. And my guess would be that they're not going to throw it as often if they can help it. I think they're trying to improve their defense. We'll see if they get a running back that can carry a heavy load or even any load. <laughs> Um, but it's going to hurt. I think going almost to any other quarterback would hurt that was available. Um, in fact, probably any other, except maybe Dak, but I don't know if I count him. And maybe even Dak. Winston is a fantasy production darling. He gets yeah. your receivers fantasy points. So it's going to suck no matter what, no matter which way they go. It's, it's not going to be great for them. So, it, yes, I would drop them in my dynasty ranks. I do have one interesting thought. O.J. Howard. Yep. Mm. He has been buried by Jameis Winston and his lack of desire or inability or whatever it is to throw to O.J. Howard. Maybe it's because he just wants to chuck it downfield to Mike Evans. Uh, but O.J. Howard has not been what we all thought he would be. Meanwhile, Tom Brady... He has like probably the most the tight years. end, yeah, probably the most tight end friendly quarterback in the last two decades in the NFL. He now, loves granted, working the middle of the field. He had the greatest of all time at his disposal, so that helps. But I think while there is a definite drop off for Evans and Godwin coming up here, if if Brady goes there, there's a chance that that Howard gets a tiny bump or at least stays lateral relative to the other guys. 
I think that's very fair. And I'm still in on OJ Howard. I'm still not a believer that last year was really what he is in the NFL. I mean, did he play horribly? Did he have inexplicable drops? Yes, we can't really argue that. But I mean, the guy oozes with talent and upside and athleticism. I mean, I'm willing to take that shot and potentially, like even tonight, try to trade for him in a dynasty league if I can before this news becomes official because mm -hmm. I definitely like that call a lot, Okada. If he lands with the Chargers, Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler, oh mm. my gosh, mm -hmm. that is going to be unreal. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's not forget Hunter Henry there too. Like those skill players with that type of quarterback, I think works. And RIP Mike Williams if that happens. But for those three <laughs> oh, guys, I oh think no. it would work. Mike, Josh Jacobs said no. No, no, no. I, no, I was, I was like, it, it, oh. it would be an unbelievable. It wasn't a no. It was okay, if, okay. if Brady goes there, Eckler, like, dude, lock him in for top three. I don't know. Like, with, oh, with he would lead. He would lead running backs in receptions. Oh yeah, he he and Christian McCaffrey would be pacing each other all year in receptions. It would be insane. Plus the uh, massive improvements they've made to their offensive line over the last week for the Chargers, and maybe that was a bid to try and get Brady there, regardless of who's going to play quarterback. They upgraded their line a lot in the last week. Um, that alone is going to benefit Eckler in the running game. But if Brady goes there, oh my gosh, Eckler is going to get peppered with targets. Yeah. Um, it's starting to look more and more like uh, he's not going to the Chargers. And there's several reports that came out today basically saying it's, it's essentially a done deal in Tampa Bay. I don't know how much I believe those in terms of kind of where they're coming from. It wasn't a, it wasn't a Schefter or, or something like that. Schefter still hasn't commented on the situation, which makes me think that he doesn't have anything substantial yet to kind of validate those. So maybe it is, maybe it's not, but it, it does look like it's certainly leaning towards Tampa Bay. Um, yeah, the, the production for that offense as a whole from a fantasy perspective Yikes! That's by the way. That's a big downgrade. Uh, just as a quick aside, kind of based off what you guys were just talking about with Eckler, is it fair to say that the Buccaneers is the best draft spot for a running back that has pass catching ability right now? Which they would only draft a guy with pass catching ability based off what Arians is going to want. If they sign Tom Brady and then draft Clyde Edwards-Helaire in the second or third round. I'm going to lose my mind. The pants are coming off. I know. <laughs> Pull off the ripoffs. Just throw them away. If they do that, I... I yeah. Jamba dies. I, I, <laughs> will, I will die if that happens. Yes. And that I would can be see them doing it, quite frankly. It, it would yeah. make too much sense not to. They haven't Ronald, signed a guy. Ronald Jones can't catch. Ronald Ooh. Jones is not a passing game back. They don't have anyone there that can... The market is starting to kind of dry up unless they're going to get Brady and then the next day go grab Melvin Gordon, um, which could happen. We're not hearing Bo Peep out of Melvin Gordon's mm -hmm. camp right now. Um, that's interesting, so maybe yeah. that's in their cards, which would be fascinating. But if they don't get Melvin Gordon, who's like the only one left that would be a threat to an incoming rookie, like anyone else on the market, because Jordan Howard's going to Miami, uh, Carlos Hyde isn't going to, take a job from one of these top incoming rookies. If, 
and maybe they need both. Maybe they need a thumper like Carlos Hyde and a CEH. Great. That wouldn't diminish my value on CEH at all. But yeah, it, it would be fascinating if CEH goes there with Tom Brady at quarterback. I mean, talk about targets. He's going to get, you know, 100 targets in his rookie season. Yeah, uh, that would be and, awesome for his value. And um, on the Melvin Gordon side of things, it seems to me pretty obvious that the reason we're not hearing diddly squat is that he wants more money than teams yeah. want to give him. Yeah. yeah, I think he's out here wanting Le'Veon Bell money and nobody wants to give it to him. And I don't blame them. And I certainly don't blame the Buccaneers who could get a CEH in the third round and probably get the same exact production yep. for a fraction, an infinitesimal fraction of the cost with a younger guy who they're going to have for four years plus. So that certainly seems like the better route for the Bucks. And honestly, I don't know who's going to go there, but almost anyone who gets drafted in the first two days of the draft to that position I'm going to be b bumping up in my rankings. Yeah. I no will doubt. say, and I promise this isn't biased John coming out, but the longer the Melvin Gordon situation tends to kind of last and the more his value kind of starts to come down a little bit, maybe he starts realizing, you know what, the market that I thought was going to be there for me just isn't. Um, I don't know. That could be a Seattle move. That mm. that could be a thing that happens because if, if the value starts to come down, they took a shot on Eddie Lacy a few years back, did not work. He was fat Eddie, Eddie at that point. But it wouldn't surprise me with their current running back situation in Seattle. And we've talked about if Derrick Henry was going to hit the, the open market that Seattle, I could see them making a run at Derrick Henry. Well, he got tagged, unfortunately. So no beast mode, you know, the sequel. Yes. Uh, yes. Ew. Ew. But Melvin Gordon, very talented running back. All that they have on that team right now is an injured Mel or an injured Chris Carson coming back from a hip injury on the last year of his rookie deal. Rashad Penny, which has not panned out, and then Travis Homer, and and that's it. So I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me. They've got cap money to spend. They were saving some of that for Jadavion Clowney. It sounds like Clowney's leaving. They've got you some go. money. Yeah, they've got some money available. It wouldn't surprise me. That is a running back focused team. If they were to go out and, and take a run at Melvin Gordon, I, I could see it happening. It would be super intriguing. I mean, Melvin Gordon in that offense where they just want to pound the rock, it, it would be phenomenal. For Melvin Gordon, dynasty owners, obviously in redraft, he would take a huge uh, skyrocket up the rankings yep. for sure in that offense. Any running back that signs there is going to have value. No doubt about it. The way they want to run the ball, the way Rashad Penny hasn't panned out, the way he's coming off injury, and now Chris Carson. Yes, I agree. We got to monitor that situation. And when someone does sign there, we're going to talk about the fantasy fallout for sure. All right, fellas. Next quarterback to talk about, Phillip Rivers, officially a one-year deal with the Indianapolis Colts, one year, $25 million. We talked about it on our last, uh, probably two episodes ago. I was saying T.Y. Hilton could be a huge loser if this happened in free agency. Sure enough, here we are. Guys, Phillip Rivers at this stage of his career, certainly the best days of his football are behind him. I mean, for me, T.Y. Hilton, big time loser. The deep ball is not there for Phillip Rivers right now, but one sneaky name that I want to throw out there, and I definitely want to get Okada's take on this because I know he loves the guy. Ooh. 
Austin Eckler had a very solid year catching the football from Phillip Rivers. Can I interest you in a Naheem Hines? Ooh. That's interesting. Um, yes, you can interest me in that, Bets. You certainly <laughs> I will allow can. It. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I am a Naheem Hines fan. He is a, v- a valuable piece. He has been already in PPR Dynasty Leagues. He's a guy you can put in your flex all the time. Sure. If if they go to a situation where Phillip Rivers wants to throw it to the running back a lot, which is possible, I could certainly see him benefiting. It could also be something that helps Paris Campbell a little bit. Yeah, but I like Paris. for sure it does not help D.Y. Hilton. So that's unfortunate for him, uh, and it also doesn't help a useful tight end, which it would have because there isn't one right now. Uh, I don't know what the situation is going to be, but. Maybe they draft someone. I'm not sure. Philip Rivers obviously has liked the tight end over the course of his career. I'd be interested to see what happens in that sense. But I mean, Jack Doyle is still under contract. But if you're comparing him to Hunter Henry, then yes, it's not even a conversation. Um, Jack Doyle is fine for what he is. He will catch a a ton of footballs. And the after the catch ability certainly isn't there the way it is for a guy like Hunter Henry, Darren Waller, etc. But I think Jack Doyle, you know, in PPR formats is going to be fine as a streaming option in redraft leagues if he is the tight end one on that roster. Because like you're alluding to, certainly Phillip Rivers has shown a tendency to target the tight end like he has done with the Chargers throughout his career. Antonio Gates, Hunter Henry, uh, no doubt about it. John, any comments on that situation or can we move on to one other spicy signing from free agency? Yeah, I, I, I need to comment because... I don't know what the Colts are doing. Here's the thing that that Neither bothers me. Exactly, uh. and that's and listen. I love Chris Ballard has done a wonderful job since getting down there. He hit on Quentin Nelson. He hit on Darius Leonard. He in in the same class. He's done yeah. incredible. He's done a great job. But here's what confuses me. Right? Okay, you have a early first round draft pick. You are saying essentially that. Uh, Brissett is not your guy by, you know, you have that in your mind. If you're going to go sign uh, Philip Rivers to come in that he's not your guy. If you're going to build for the future, which essentially you're saying you're going to do by only having a one year contract on Philip Rivers coming in, why are you giving him $25 million losing your early first round draft pick? Because they traded that for DeForest Buckner from the San Francisco 49ers, which Buckner is an amazing piece on defense. Absolutely. But you need to get a quarterback that's going to be the successor after next season because you're only bringing in Rivers for one year. Are you trying to win now or are you trying to build for the future? Which one are you doing? Because it doesn't make any sense. Like if you're giving up your early capital for a stud defender, that tells me that you think that you have a team that can win now. If you're not doing that, it just why aren't you holding on to that pick in doing what a lot of people thought which was going to be to go out and try and get one of the top quarterbacks in this class maybe a Jordan Love that you think could sit for a year if you're going to build towards the future then why aren't you just rolling with Jacoby Brissett for one more year potentially getting yourself a little bit of a better draft pick next year for it just they're conflicting it doesn't make sense to me I don't know which route they're trying to go right now Mm. Yeah, I, 
Well, I mean, the signing, I think, of Phillip Rivers tells you where they're going. I think they think they can win and they can push for a division title and they can push for uh, playoff seeding in the next two years. I think that's what that tells you. And I don't know I don't know if that's correct. I'm just saying I think that's where their mindset is. Well, the um, AFC South is very wide open. I it's mean, wide open. It's anyone wide can open. win that division. Yeah, and it feels like literally every year it's 9-7 and seven wins yeah. the division. Yep. It does. Um Ten and six, maybe, but yes, I think that tells you that they think they have a strong roster that can compete. Whether or not that's true, again, I don't know, but we'll find out pretty soon with with the moves they make in the draft. A continuing free agency, they have other holes to fill. Um, but the offense seems to be set in place from a skill position standpoint. The offensive line is very good. Obviously, they have bring in the Rivers. The running backs are set. They have wide receivers. Certainly, some have question marks, but they do have some guys in place. I don't know. I mean, it, they're going to be okay. I don't think they're going to absolutely flop, but I'm not putting any money on them to win the Super Bowl, or I don't think they're going to make a deep run in the playoffs. I think there's other AFC teams that are well ahead of them. So the the Philip Rivers signing, to me, I also agree, is confusing. Philip Rivers is Jacoby Brissett at this point. That's how I feel from a talent perspective, from where they're at in their career. Philip Rivers, no doubt about it, has been a way better quarterback in his career. That's not yeah. the conversation. It's It's right now. And yeah. I don't know if this is an upgrade at Philip Rivers' stage of his career. That's my It's a twenty-five million dollar lateral move. Yeah, it, it doesn't I make agree. sense. I agree. <laughs> God, I just gives a thumb down. Uh, all right, fellas. One other quarterback signing to talk about here: Teddy Bridgewater, over to the Carolina Panthers for three years, sixty million dollars ish is what our show doc says yeah. I, I believe that because of the signing and the potential for bonuses and incentives and that kind of thing but essentially it's about 20 mil a year it's a good contract for a guy like teddy who as of five years ago was potentially out of the league because of his gruesome knee injury but here he is he's paid to be the starter and now we have rumors that cam newton has the ability to seek a trade and if you missed the drama today on social media <laughs> cam newton did not hold back and of course time out cam stop with these stupid cryptic oh, like, what is that characters gosh. it takes us twice as long to read because they're they're not real letters and confusing as hell for everyone else but in the situation i mean cam is out in carolina teddy is in Guys, let's talk about Teddy as a quarterback here. Do you think he, as a starter, is good for what this offense needs? I think he's a lot better than what they had last year. I well, mean, he... Matt Okada is better than Kyle Allen. Exactly, <laughs> but, but that's the thing. You've got people that were going into this year, and the way that people are hyping DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel because his yards per route run and averaged up the target and, and all that, you have all of this hype around the position players there with huge question marks at quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater isn't going to be any worse. Like Teddy Bridgewater is going to be a slight upgrade. Um, he looked good in his time with new Orleans last year. I think it's always tough to ask a quarterback to step in mid season, even though it was early in the season, but, but to come in as a backup to an injured quarterback, that's a tough transition to make. And he did fine. He looked good. He had a good grasp on the playbook. Um, not only that, uh, which coach is it that was with the Saints last year that's now with the Panthers? It's not – is it the quarterback coach that went? They have one coach that went with mm. them. I'm trying to think of what sure. it is off the top of I'm my head. Yeah, I'm not but, sure. 
but there's some there's some congruity there with him coming into that system. I know that I can't think of it off the top of my head, but giving him an entire offseason, giving him a multi-year contract to be like, listen, we're investing in you. You're our dude. We think you're you're promising. We've got a young cast of characters around you. Like, let's build from here. They have Matt Rule down there, and then they have um, the passing game coordinator from LSU, whose name I'm drawing a blank on. He's now the offensive coordinator. It's an, it's a really interesting matchup. It's a really interesting pair. Um, I just saw that they resigned Trey Boston at safety, so they're investing to kind of keep some of those skill players on defense as well, which is good. Um, I, I think that it's fine. I think for Teddy Bridgewater, it's probably the best scenario that he could have gone to with the weapons that he's going to have around him and with the continuity of the uh, division. He, he's staying in the same division things like that. I think it's the best case scenario that we could have expected for Bridgewater. Uh, personally, I took him in a dynasty startup about a month ago because I expected him to get a start, starting gig, and now he does. So I'm I'm excited to, to roll with that as the third quarterback on my roster. Yeah, and just a comment real quick. You were referring to Joe Brady, I believe, is the yes, uh, thank you. offensive coordinator now coming from yep. LSU. Really elevated. Oh, hey, really Joe ironic Brown. timing. Carolina's giving former Saints quarterback Teddy Bridgewater three years, $63 million. So there's 63. the okay. so now exact now we have the numbers. official terms. Yeah. Yeah, 63 mil. Um, he's paid to be a starter in the short term. Do I think this takes them off of a franchise that's going to look for a quarterback in the draft? Personally, I don't. I think they still could address the position and see, you know, is Teddy the real deal? He hasn't started for a team for an entire season in a very long time. And that's certainly a question mark, no doubt about it. Let's talk about the fallout there for the pass catchers. I mean, we... Oh, sorry, go ahead, John. You have your finger up there. Adam Schefter, uh, Tampa Bay is the expected landing spot for Tom Brady, barring anything unforeseen. There is no signing date or announcement officially set up, but Brady is expected to be a Buccaneer. Mm, all right. There you go. As we discussed earlier, um, Mike Evans, RIP. <laughs> uh, but back to, to Carolina there. Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore. I mean, John alluded to it a little bit. Okada, what are your thoughts there on the pass catchers with Teddy as the presumed starter here going forward? Yeah, I don't hate it at all. I think he is as good a passer as Cam Newton uh, was Ooh. and better a passer than the guys that were derping around the last year or so uh, with Cam's injuries. So I, I think it's fine for them. Um, it might even be a slight upgrade the way Cam's shoulder has been. Uh, obviously, he was terrible at the end of the last season that he played and then got injured in the first couple games of last year and did nothing else. So we haven't seen a pocket quarterback who relies on actually throwing with his arm to make his money in this offense. It could be interesting. I think it's I think to John's point, it's really good for Teddy because these are a bunch of guys who you don't have to be a gunslinger to get production out of. They are guys who can take the ball, Christian McCaffrey, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, uh, from a variety of places on the field, a lot of which are less than 10 yards from the line of scrimmage, and then make huge things happen from there with their ability just with the ball in their hands. So I think, I think Teddy Bridgewater is a viable QB2 or super flex quarterback in this offense. I don't know if you guys see it that same way, but that's where I see him, and I don't think it really does much in either direction for the pass catchers. 
I agree. I mean, that style that made Joe Burrow elite as a prospect is coming to Carolina. And granted, I mean, we can debate all day whether or not Joe Burrow is a better quarterback coming into the NFL than Teddy Bridgewater was or is at this age of his career. But regardless, the scheme is going to be very, very beneficial for a passing style offense. So I like it uh, a lot for Teddy. I think it's great to see a guy like that come back from a huge injury. I mean, almost oh, yeah. lost his leg, honestly. Great for him. And super excited to see him back as a starter in the NFL. That's very encouraging. Um, and obviously, as being the injury guy on this podcast, like it's it makes me feel really good about the situation. So good for Teddy. Um, and definitely a very pass happy I think offense coming to Carolina so really intrigued to see what happens there with those pass catchers and Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore for Cam Newton I mean the team basically said we're giving him permission to seek a trade then Cam said oh hell no he said hell no he said you forced me into this this is not what happened I did not Uh, basically you said you're gone go ahead and seek a trade on your own so I mean let's talk about the quarterback landscape the openings right now are potentially Chicago, yep. the Chargers, the Patriots, and maybe a little bit the Buccaneers, but that seems like Tom Brady's locked it up. Yeah, like, where is Cam going to go? Dub Bears. Uh, it could be. It's tough. I could see it being the Chargers if for no other reason than they need to get someone who's going to draw fans to their – True. new stadium they're half of a new stadium which may not be done the way that freaking coronavirus is going um cam newton might be that he is a personality he is a star or at least has been a star in recent years that that kind of would make sense to me if he goes to the bears i mean listen i'm not a fan of mitchell trubisky but are you gonna have how many wins does Cam Newton give you over Mitchell Trubisky, really? Uh, a lot. Really? I think Cam is, yeah. Trubisky won Cam. eight games last year. Or at least the Bears did. No, the, the Bears, Bears won eight games. Game. Okay, Trubisky but how many, was how many wins is Cam Newton going to add to that? Are they going to be a 10-win team That's a 10 and 16. That's a 10 and 16. I agree. They could definitely Absolutely. be a 10 shoulder Cam? I, yes. Listen, half a shoulder Cam is still more accurate, has more athleticism, ah, and and turns the ball over less true. than Trubisky. He might turn the ball over a little bit less, but Trubisky is athletic, and Cam has never been accurate. How many times was Allen Robinson... Okay, it's not only accuracy, it's ability to read the defense. How many times did Allen Robinson just straight up disappear off off of Trubisky's radar last year. He's standing on the sidelines, waving like a maniac, asking for the ball, and Trubisky's looking over at freaking Anthony Miller in double coverage. Like, A-Rob's wide open for a first down, waving frantically and not getting the ball. Cam's not going to miss A-Rob. He's got some issues. Cam's not a perfect quarterback. I know that. But... I think that Cam brings more maturity, more processing, more ability to make better decisions than Trubisky does. I absolutely think it's a two-game bump from what Trubisky is in that offense because they're not going to ask Cam to do too much. It's not a system that's going to be like, all right, Cam, we know that you've had some shoulder injuries, but we're going to drop back and sling it 45 times a game. That's not what they're going to ask him to do. Make the good decisions 
play with a good defense, hopefully keep the ball moving down the field and get first downs and allow David Montgomery to actually get some traction as a running back instead of just going three and out half of your drives. That's what they need in a quarterback. And listen, they might bring Cam in if they do this just to spur on Trubisky. Maybe Trubisky takes a step forward. Maybe they still let Trubisky start the season with Cam sitting behind him, glaring at him, waiting for him to mess up. And then after three games, he's looking at the coach like, my turn? Like, can I can I try now? And see what happens. Because it could be a Tennessee situation with Mariota and Tannehill last year where they get Tannehill coming off of injury in a bad situation and bring him in. Mariota falters. Tannehill goes in. The rest is history. Tannehill just got paid. Cam could be in a similar situation to that where he comes in either as a backup to Trubisky and Trubisky then steps his game up, or if Trubisky doesn't, Cam gets a shot and he runs with it, and they go 10-6 and six in the NFC North, make the playoffs. Yeah, I. so this is tough because if you're telling me we have a healthy Cam, then it's it's very obvious that I think he's an upgrade over That's what this all depends Mitch. on. Yeah. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step in as the injury analysts on this podcast and if our listeners are not familiar i am a sports physical therapist as my day job so this is what i do i see these injuries cam's shoulder is short term going to be fine do i have concerns that he's going to develop arthritis long term yes i do i mean he had a cartilage injury inside the joint um just this past season i'm sorry two years ago two years ago and then three years ago he had the rotator cuff injury and if you're telling me that there is there's going to be short-term deficits from that. I'm going to say probably not. I mean, he had the foot injury, which we'll talk about next, but that gives the shoulder plenty of time to get healthy, get right. But for a throwing athlete, you can't just keep wrenching on the shoulder that way. It's going to eventually hit a tipping point. So for dynasty purposes, Cam Newton's shoulder is a concern. For redraft purposes, it is not a concern. Now, for the foot surgery, which he had a Liz Frank injury in the preseason last year, Ended up trying to come back from it after rehab. It didn't work. And I've said all along, I mean, Okada and I have talked about this before. John was on the pod. The foot injury is not going to be fully 100% back to its full strength by week one. It's just not. And we saw Marquise Hollywood Brown have surgery in like December of last year. And even like October, November, he was still having foot issues. So for Cam, who is a running quarterback through and through, he's an athletic monster. That is a concern. So from that perspective, Mitch Trubisky will be more mobile and athletic than Cam this season. But for the shoulder as a pocket passer, I think Cam will be more healthy than what people perceive. I think his accuracy is a concern. So between those two players, it really does come down to, do you want a Mitch Trubisky who is more mobile or do you want Cam Newton, who I think is a better decision maker? That's the debate. Wow. I think that was a lot. I'm sorry. (laughs) I, I, maybe I'm the, the odd one out. I guess I must be, but I think cam is washed. I don't, first of all, he's only had one great passing season in his whole career. He has always been a viable weapon, but in the backfield of the Panthers offense, because he ran the ball like a monster for the first several years of his career. He has never been a successful pocket passer except for one season that he had 35 touchdowns or whatever it was and just short of 4,000 yards. 
And still, he was an incredible rusher at that point, which means the danger of his rushing helped open up that passing game. I legitimately do not know if he is worth anything more than Trubisky. For me, if I'm deciding between a... What is it going to take to get Cam? $25 million? Maybe more? If he gets less than $30 million, that's kind of an insult to him based off who he's been. It might be what he has to get because he's not what he was, but he's probably in that 25 to 30 range... Ah, I don't think he returns value on that. I do not want Cam Newton as my franchise quarterback. I don't think I'm winning the Super Bowl with Cam Newton at this point in his career. I am scared of both injuries. Uh, certainly, the the Betts' low down on the foot doesn't help me at all. I'm uh, I don't know. I get maybe I'm maybe I'm uh, tripping here, but I I don't like it. Okay, so hypothetically speaking. The Bears don't go after Cam. What's what's the plan? Is there someone in the free agency pool, and there's not many left, is there someone that intrigues you? I would they rather lost- have Andy Dalton than Cam Newton. Boom, roasted. Ooh. <laughs> but here's the thing, guys. Like We have to remember Ryan Pace, the GM. Like I've heard from a couple outlets and mostly like other guys – um, for example, the Stick to Football podcast and other analysts in the industry, basically hearing that he's trying to save face. So oh, for sure, I think Mitch Trubisky is going to have every single opportunity to be the starting quarterback come week one. And if he mm. fails, it's on him. So, you know, the level of quarterback they bring in, I think is going to tell us a lot about where Ryan Pace is at from an evaluation of Mitch Trubisky. If they draft a rookie in the middle rounds, like whatever, no big deal. It's Mitch's job to lose. If they bring in a Cam Newton or an Indy Dalton, then yeah, like he could be done week two. You know what I mean? Like it, it depends a lot on what they do here at their quarterback situation. So here's my concern because they just lost Chase Daniels in in yes, free agency. I'm trying to remember where he went. Uh, Detroit? I, I'm trying to remember. So, yes, yes. Detroit. I think it was Detroit. Correct. Yeah, because they let Sloter go. Right. And they they have no one behind Trubisky. If they don't go out and address it in free agency and then they don't take anyone early on, they're literally like going all in sink or swim with Trubisky. Like, you don't have a backup plan. Yeah, it's <laughs> literally this is yours for a season and we could make the playoffs or we could go 3 and 13. And it's up to you. And good luck. Like, that's terrifying to me. I would want to have some sort of backup plan with the caliber of the defense that they have. It's, it, yes, chicken winging Okada. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, Listen, Mitchell Trubisky two years ago looked like he was going to be a franchise quarterback. It was two years ago that he looked like that. Last year was not great. It was a it was a down year. He looked very very bad. But he's great, three Bob. years into his waiting. career. Thank you. Three years <laughs> into a short career, there have been plenty of franchise quarterbacks who had a worse three year start to their career and ended up being very good. Twenty and years to, ago, they don't get that chance now. To Betts' point about the investment of the GM, this is not a typical top two pick. No, they gave this the is a guy. They gave everything a disgusting amount of trade value to get up to get trubisky which makes it it. even more necessary that they make him work two years ago he was exactly what cam is now as far as a 
quarterback, a passer, a weapon, a game winner, which they won a ton of, if you recall. Argu mm -hmm. Yes, with a very, very good defense. But that's how they're going to win anyways. You guys, you even mentioned that it's not going to be on Cam's shoulder. It's going to be on the defense and the running game. So here's... Go so ahead. Here's go the thing ahead. that I noticed. Here's the thing that I noticed this last year, right? We're, about, we're only halfway through this podcast, so we we're got good. Of time. We got all freaking night. We're fine. Um, two years ago, the Chicago Bears defense looked like the monsters of the midway from old. Absolutely yes. outstanding. They locked Facts. everyone down. You couldn't win in Chicago. It didn't happen. They held opponents to like. I'm probably exaggerating, but it felt like it was sub ten points a game at home. It was unreal their defense was incredible last year the defense was on the field so much that that defense did not look like the defense from two years ago they were tired because their quarterback could not put together a drive it, it was boom or bust big play or nothing three and out defenses right back on the field gassed all the time if Trubisky is going to do the same thing again and he doesn't take a step forward and that offense, you know, looks awful with Trubisky trying his best. Do your best, kid, to throw the football. It's not going to go well for that defense either. They're not going to win many games. Uh, to me, it's a miracle they won as many as they did last year with the way that that offense put the defense in terrible situations. So I totally agree. Pace spent everything to go up and get him, and I know that they're going to give him an incredibly long leash because of it, but I honestly think if there is a viable second option on the roster, and that's what remains to be seen, he's got maybe half a season left of leash. If we're approaching week seven and this team is still relatively in contention with the NFC North, like a couple games out. Like if they're, if they're holding on because Minnesota just lost Stefan Diggs, we don't know what's going to happen to Minnesota. Like if they're holding on they're in the division week seven, week eight, only a couple games back, but Trubisky looks like garbage. You make a move to try to win the division like Tennessee did last year. I mean, these uh, are all super fair points. Can I just say to wrap up this conversation, I have tweet deck open to keep uh, abreast of the news. And every third tweet is Tom Brady photoshopped into a Buccaneers uniform. And it is way worse <laughs> it's to gross, see him dude. in a Bucks uniform than to imagine him leaving the Patriots. It's so disgusting. This is, a, this is a very hard time for me. Okada's <laughs> having the worst birthday. <laughs> it is terrible! <laughs> Damn you, Tom! You couldn't wait for tomorrow or do it yesterday? One not only that, not only that, he did this to Boston on St. Patrick's Day. Like, yes. Facts. Oh man, you hate to see it. You hate to see it. Oh God, it's it's sad. Um, that's a lot of hypothetical, and holy crap, that was a very good conversation. But let's move on to stuff that actually happened. Stefan Diggs on his way to Buffalo via trade, and John, this happened after you and I recorded yesterday. You went live and gave your initial reactions, so I want to sure give did. the floor to Okada because I think most of our listeners probably saw that and got their uh, temperature as far as what you were con considering in the situation. Okada, Stefan Diggs out of Minnesota on his way to Buffalo. What are your thoughts? Um, It makes me like Josh Allen more as a dynasty quarterback. Quite a lot, actually. Um, Quite a lot more, and I like him quite a lot, both, uh, both meanings. 
it does not bode well for Stefan Diggs. I don't nope. think. Um, Josh Allen is not the type of quarterback to pair with a elite route running timing receiver like Stefan Diggs to get great production. Josh Allen is a guy who makes John Brown pretty decent relative to other receivers. Uh, and that's about it. <laughs> so this hurts Diggs. He, he will probably get, ah, I don't even know if he'll get more targets. He'll get a larger target share. Uh, theoretically, than he would have gotten in Minnesota, but obviously this team is going to be very run first. Gosh darn it, John! And you're oh, get out. That just okay. Um, <laughs> for the, the listeners about? listening to audio version, John just showed Okada a picture <laughs> of Tom Brady in a Bucks uniform, and Okada threw up on his keyboard. Yes, facts. Yes, he did. Uh, also, just as a note, Chris Godwin wears number twelve. So Ooh, I was point. just going to comment He's on changing that. Changing yeah. jerseys. Um, but my bet is my bet is it'll be Tom. He hasn't earned it yet. Yeah, yeah. no, no. Yeah, he'll be number thirteen. Um, wait, isn't that isn't Evans? Doesn't Evans wear thirteen? He does. Yes, yeah. he does. <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, so essentially, I think the biggest fallout is Josh Allen up. I think Josh Allen is a top ten dynasty quarterback. Um, this is good for him. It it gives him honestly a decent core. Like, they went from the worst core in the league to a decent core in a couple years. Yeah. So, I like it. I like it for him. Uh, but sad for Diggs. And good for Thielen. Definitely yep. good for Thielen. I mean, you leave behind the target share for Stephon Diggs that he had there. And Thielen is the guy with Kirk Cousins, who John and I just talked about last evening on the podcast for the Patreon crew, was that he was an underrated asset in the NFL, I mean, meaning like he was winning games for them. He was playing very well at a high level. Stephon Diggs goes from a relatively accurate quarterback, I think, in Kirk Cousins to Josh Allen, who for fantasy we love, but for a passing quarterback, we don't necessarily love. Like he's not the most accurate. He's not the the best quarterback from an, an arm talent perspective. Can he throw the ball a mile? Yes, he can. But Stephon Diggs is an elite route runner, and he wins with quick you know, digs and decision. Yes, exactly. Throwing a guy open on a timing route. And that's not Josh Allen's game. So I think he'll be okay. I think they'll get it sorted out, but I don't think it's an upgrade by any means. And it is concerning from the fact that Stefan Diggs goes from the most stable situation you can imagine. I mean, Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs, that's it. Like from the passing game, they were so dominant from those two to now being in a situation where you have Josh Allen, who's a wild card John Brown is there. Cole Beasley's still in the slot. Like, I don't know, man. I'm I'm lukewarm on the situation for Diggs, personally. Yeah, that was kind of my reaction last night, too. It, it didn't, you know, blow my hair back um, for all the same reasons that we're talking about. One, first and foremost, we, what pretty much everyone's been mocking, it's been the flavor of the month, we've, we've talked about it several times, was T. Higgins going to Buffalo. Why? Because he's a big body with a big catch radius, he can win a jump ball that might not be super accurate. Like, that fit, that that made sense. Diggs is not that. He's six foot. He's a great route runner. Absolutely elite. Probably top three in the NFL in terms of route running ability. Um, oh, yeah. That's just, that's the two don't fit all the way. I said a lot of the same stuff. I think this actually does really good stuff for John Brown. I... I I like John Brown a lot as being a second option in that offense mm-hmm. um, and not having to face Stephon Gilmore. Like if Gilmore is covering 
um, digs when they match up that, you know, that's, that's good news for John Brown. So I think that John Brown is going to see a few more open looks. Um, I'm good with that. I don't think it diminishes his value much at all. Um, Cole Beasley is going to be basically a, a footnote in the passing game, check down out of the slot, maybe get the first down kind of guy. That's, that's about what I see. Another big winner from this, I think might be Irv Smith Jr. in Minnesota. I think that they might roll with a few more two tight end looks as he's a super athletic tight end young kid. If, if he's going to be able to get more worked into that offensive scheme um, with digs out of the way, we could start to see Irv Smith start to make a little bit of contribution. Like I'm not saying he's going to ball out and, and break out into a top 10 tight end this year. They still have Kyle Rudolph, but like, that's a dynasty buy for me because he's maybe one more year away from being the starting guy in Minnesota. Um, I'm I'm big on Irv Smith Jr. I think that he's someone to keep an eye on. I like that as a dynasty buy. I mean, I think the signing of Kyle Rudolph uh, last offseason was a big red flag for a lot of people. And, you know, tight ends, they just take a while to develop. They, yeah. It's the, the old montage, three years. And now he's entering year two. Stefan Diggs, who has a huge target share, is out of the way. I mean, are you telling me BC Johnson is the answer? Or are you <laughs> telling me LaCroix Treadmill is the answer? I mean, it they ain't have Treadwell. to address wide receiver. <laughs> it ain't Treadwell, that's for sure. <laughs> so, yes, I like Irv Smith a lot. I think that's yeah. a great call, John, uh, from the Minnesota side of things. Guys, we are running close to an hour. I want to talk about a few more guys on this list. And, John, specifically guys we did not talk about. Yesterday, the news broke after we stopped recording. Amari Cooper signs a five-year, $100 million deal to stay with the Cowboys. They have Dak Prescott on the franchise tag. They have Amari Cooper under contract. They have Zeke under contract. That seems backwards to me. Yep. Um, a, a strategy to build a franchise around. I said it yesterday when we talked about the Dak franchise tag. This is Kirk Cousins 2.0. Okada, I don't know what your thoughts are, what you're hearing around the network, but I mean, Dak is going to make them pay so much money next year if they can afford it. Phony. And they're going to take a hit elsewhere if they do. Uh, what are your thoughts, Okada? Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of surprising. I think most people expected to see Dak get the contract and Cooper get tagged. But I, I don't hate it. Um, I think they have a chance. They have a very good team. They have a chance to make a playoff run now. And it will suck next year if they want to try and sign him. Honestly, I expect they there's a good chance that he will end up walking like Kirk Cousins did. Yep. Um, Cousins got tagged twice before he did, so that could happen too. But in any case, I don't know if Dak ends up getting a long-term deal with the Cowboys in any, or in any capacity or timeline at this point. Like... They had plenty of chances to sign this guy who had gotten them a bunch of wins, and they went out and paid Ezekiel Elliott. They went out and paid Demarcus Lawrence. They went out and paid Amari Cooper. They did not pay Dak Prescott. Um, nope. It kind of seems like they've said their piece, and it, a lot of it could be that they didn't think he was worth what he wanted, which could be very fair because a lot of rumor was that he wanted $40 million and that he got offered 33 I think, and didn't take it, yeah. which was the right number, to be honest, for Dak Prescott. So, I, I think it's the right number for Dak Prescott. I am 100% opposed to this just because this guy is the next guy up. He has to make more than everybody else 
if he's been mildly decent. He he should get paid where he belongs for right now, which is in that range. Certainly not the $40 million range. No. I I think it's, there's a decent chance that he's not on the Cowboys in two years. However, for right now, he is, unless he refuses to play on the tag, which is unlikely. Um, And it's probably good for everybody for, for now. For redraft perspective, it's good for everybody. Everybody wins. This team will be good. These fantasy options will be very good. Um, but from a dynasty perspective, it certainly does make things tougher to call. It does. I mean, you know, like in today's NFL, you have to pay your quarterback. And we can – hindsight's twenty twenty. You know what I mean? Paying Zeke was an absolute mistake. No doubt about it. Yeah, that was a lot He's of money. He's a very good running back. No doubt about that. But – if you're telling me would I rather pay Zeke or would I rather pay Dak, I mean, it's it's a silly question to even ask. So I think the Cowboys are going to kick themselves in two or three years if they can't keep Dak in house. I mean, I'm going to stay say this until it doesn't happen. Like I'm concerned that this is Kirk Cousins 2.0 with Washington because if you're telling me that if I'm Dak and I'm looking at these contracts, like what the hell? <laughs> like Amari got yeah. paid. Zeke got paid. How about the franchise quarterback? It doesn't make sense. And I have concerns about that from a dynasty perspective, but like Okada saying from redraft, that's very, very good news for this offense. Yeah, I don't know if you heard me when I went live last night because I hopped on live to talk about Diggs going to Buffalo. I ended the video. I took my dog out so he could do his business. I came back inside and Amari Cooper had signed. So I went live again. I'm like, hey guys, it's me again. We need to talk. Um, I said the same thing. It's just not how you do business in the NFL today. If, if I'm Dak Prescott, you're meaning to tell me that a wide receiver you're giving a hundred million dollars to, but you're not going to increase the offer to me by three to five million per year from where we were. Like he was getting offered. And, and the reason that I kind of scoffed when you said that's the right number for him is because it was the exact same number as the tag value that that is in that's an insult it's like okay well this is why because why is this, that an insult the tag number is based off the top five quarterback salaries from the last few years and then put onto this salary cap he's not even a top five quarterback if anything that's a compliment no and i and i get that element of it but if if I'm Dak, it's like listen, you're either committing to me long term or you're not. Yes. If if you're committing to me long term, it has to be more than the tag. If you're not going to give me more than the tag, I have no reason to accept it. There, it. From Dak's standpoint, Dak did himself great. Dak did an amazing job by just going, okay, so I get thirty three and a half million on the tag, or I get thirty three and a half million by signing the extension. Hmm, that's a tough call. I'll go one year on $33.5 million and then have Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes both get paid in the next year. And then suddenly, $40 million's not going to be out of the realm of possibility for Dak next year based on those guys resetting the market. So Dak, good job. You did great. You're going to end up getting your money. From a franchise standpoint for the Cowboys, you done messed up because you pay your quarterback first. They And that's the thing. The same day that they could not come to an agreement and they tagged Dak later at the, in that night, you give a five-year, $100 million contract to a wide receiver, 
you couldn't bump up your average annual for me by $3 million and make it worthwhile, that that doesn't make any sense at all to me. Wide receivers you can replace much easier. Apparently you can go, and I said it last night, apparently you can go get DeAndre Hopkins for a bag of chips. It's ah. way easier to replace a wide receiver so dumb. than it is, got him, than it is to replace a franchise quarterback. And I do believe that Dak is a franchise quarterback who makes good decisions, goes out, wins games, show up to work, does everything that you want your quarterback to do. I I believe that he deserved to get extended and Dallas is going to be kicking themselves this time next year. Okay. So I have to share some research because this is one of my favorite little bits of information that I did all year all 2019 season working for the NFL. And it's about quarterbacks getting paid and how how much they get paid messes up their chances of winning. So, no quarterback that has been a top five salary cap hit in a given season has won the Super Bowl in the last nine years. The last one to do was Eli Manning in 2011. The QB with the highest cap hit in the last 10 seasons has missed the playoffs in eight of those seasons, and the other two guys lost the first playoff game that they played that year. And here are the quarterback ranks in salary cap for the last 10 years for the quarterback to win the Super Bowl. 31st, that's Mahomes. Tied for 10th, Brady. 47th, Nick Foles. Arguably got there by Carson Wentz, who was also not a big salary cap hit. 18th, Brady. 6th, Peyton Manning. Tied for 11th, Tom Brady. 53rd for Russell Wilson on his yeah. rookie deal, 17th for Joe Flacco, 5th for Eli back in 2011, and 21st for Aaron Rodgers in 2010 on his rookie deal. What does that tell you? It tells you that if you pay your quarterback the top dollar that they have to get just because it's time for them to get the top dollar, you you sink the rest of your team. You hurt the value that you can put into the entire rest of your team and you put everything on that quarterback to win, and it does not work. I understand that the prevailing uh, requirement almost or maxim of the league is that if you are a quarterback who is considered a franchise quarterback and you come up to get paid as a free agent, you have to get top five money. Arguably, you have to get number one money because you're the next guy up. This is a bit of a rant by me because it's a big deal. I've, I've been arguing with a lot of people about it, and I understand there's not a lot of quarterbacks to go around that you can pay a small amount of money and win. And so right. people want to say, there's no other option. You just have to pay Dak. I don't think you do. I think when the when the Chiefs pay Patrick Mahomes $40-plus million a year, it's going to hurt, and they may not win another Super Bowl in the span of that contract. The reason that Tom Brady and the Patriots have won so many Super Bowls is yep. because he doesn't take the money that the quarterbacks that like him do, and that is how they've managed to win so, so many. Everybody else wins because they've got a quarterback on a rookie deal that's playing really well, or a guy who's taking maybe top 10, top 15 money, but not top five, top three, top one money. That's my rant. I'm done. Here's the here's the thing, though. And I agree with what you're saying. It makes sense. That's the cheat code in today's NFL. You win on a rookie deal for a quarterback. But if they would have gotten their business done last year, he would not be a top five quarterback come 2021 Thank season. Thank you. So... I agree with what you're saying, Okada. It makes sense. You pay that much money to a player, it affects the rest of your team. But the order of which they did business does not make sense. Yep. 
you know, running backs That's for sure. Yes. Don't they don't matter. They don't. No. And I don't I'm not saying that cuz I don't like running backs. I love the position. It's so fun to scout great players, but in today's NFL Thank they just you. don't matter. Damian Williams exhibit A. So Yep. Yeah, man. I don't know. We we all agree like the order of operations was incorrect. Dak Prescott deserves to get paid. Is it going to affect their franchise negatively if they do pay him? Yes, it will. As an Eagles fan, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's almost funny because the way that they did it in the last two years is almost exactly inverse because they went running back, linebacker, wide receiver, quarterback. Flip it. Yes. Quarterback, wide receiver, linebacker, yeah. running back should be the order of, of extending guys. It's just... It's bad business. Yeah. I don't understand. Jerry Jones, please give up the power to somebody else. Never. You senile old man. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Got him. Got him. All right, fellas. Well, hey, wait. I'll tell you what. We are going to keep going on the podcast. If you're yeah, on the we are. Stream, keep watching. We're going to close out today's episode, and we're going to release these as two separate podcasts that you can um, listen to, to the first version. Take a break, do some errands, do some work at home. What, what do you errands? Gotta do? What <laughs> errands? To do, All the stores okay, are closed. That's, They've got that's a fair to do point. What about yard work or clean the house? That's that's you're not allowed to go outside. Work. Good time for yard work, honestly. But we are going to release these as two separate podcasts because an hour and 10 minutes is kind of long. And so we're going to release it as two. You can take a break in between. So keep watching on the live stream. We're going to close out on the podcast for listeners. And then we'll come right back and we'll reintroduce the show again fellas it was a ton of fun this podcast i mean we have free agency there's so all much over more. the website uh we have more to talk about so please subscribe to the youtube channel uh please follow us on instagram redshirts ff pod on twitter redshirts ff pod and of course follow all of us at madokata at the fantasy pt at jcw home camp guys until next time we are the redshirts Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.